1: is why we lock our doors at night. Attacked all over California. The community was taken hostage. Brutal homicides. One of the most prolific serial killers in the history of this state, if not in this nation. Today we're going to launch a national campaign to help identify the Golden State Killer. He terrorized California for 10 years first as the East Area Rapist in Sacramento and Contra Costa County from 1976 to 1979. Then he traveled south to Santa Barbara, Ventura, and Orange County, where his crimes escalated from burglary and rape to sexual assault and murder. There he became known as the original Night Stalker. And when law enforcement definitively linked his crimes in Northern California with his crimes in Southern California... Through both his unique M.O. and his DNA, he became known as the Golden State Killer.
0: And he's never been caught. I'm joke Sioun.
1: And I'm Biagio Messina, and we're the producers of Unmasking a Killer, the upcoming documentary series on HLN chronicling the case of the Golden State Killer.
0: Law enforcement have DNA, eyewitness accounts, victim statements multiple composite sketches, and a handful of near misses, as explained by Detective Sergeant Ken Clark of the Sacramento Sheriff's Department. So aside from extreme skill, this offender also experienced his fair share of luck. Um, He barely slipped through the net a few times. Is there one particular incident that still stands out to you? The Haskell Avenue incident was real interesting because it sounds like it was a close call for our guy. This was the May
1: 16th, 1977 incident in Carmichael, where the offender was almost caught by both a civilian and a police officer in the same night. Can you set the stage as to what happened that night? I mean, you spoke with the civilian witness, correct?
0: Yes, that's correct. Uh, he said, I, I remember like it was yesterday. He goes, uh, it was the, the craziest thing. He goes, uh, you know, we all knew about the East Area Rapist. It was summer of 77 or, you know, late late spring, May of 77. This guy was just had everybody on edge. My wife was scared. Everybody was scared. He goes, I was married. My, my wife was very attractive. He goes, I'm a big guy. He goes, I'm six, two fifty, kind of a biker guy. And he goes, uh, people don't usually mess with me. And the next thing I know, I look and I see this guy peering in the, uh, the kitchen window while I'm watching TV and he's looking around, he doesn't see me. And my wife, you know, is home, but she's not, not, uh, in that same room. And he said, so you know, I tried to get to the front door and this guy took off running and he goes, and I watched him vault a fence into the next yard. And this guy, he goes, he couldn't have been five, nine, five, eight, five, nine. And he said he, he was dressed in a, uh, you know, kind of heavy coat and he hopped that fence with one hand on the, on the top of the fence board, wow. one hand and the rest of his body went over and I went, what the hell, you know, kind of reminded me of the chase scene in, uh, in, uh, men in black, you know, where you're. He's like running after this uh, this almost inhuman creature is what he described. That He says, I, I'm 6'5". I can jump a fence. Uh, fences are shorter than me. I get over that first fence. He's already over the second fence. And he's like, what the hell? So he gets out to the front and he can't see the guy anymore. So he doesn't hear any noises. He figures he doesn't know what's going on. And then he says the cop pulls up and he goes, I look. And he's kind of between two houses. One of them was vacant and it had been broken into that night. So this guy was probably using that as a base. He said, I pointed and the cop took off after him. He goes, then I don't know what happened. Now that police officer, you actually know this man. Yeah. He's a great guy named Marlon Weinberger. Uh, he's been a deputy since, since the early seventies. And he told me many years ago, he said, uh, and this is probably 10 years ago. He said, uh, you know, I chased that guy one night and I said, I've never heard that. I go, are you, are you telling me about it? And he said, uh, you know, we were over off of uh, the Manzanita and Locust area and we, uh, we ended up, uh getting a call of a prowler. And a, the call was basically citizen chasing prowler. And he said, uh, so we get over there and I'm just, just arrived on scene. And I'm just talking to this guy who's just kind of chased him for, you know, a couple fence yards. And he points and goes, there he is. Well, I didn't, he's all, I didn't even see the guy, but I just took off running after the area he was pointing to. He said, I got through a field and I got onto this side street and I thought, okay, I think I know where he must've gone. And he said, so I tried to flag and hail down this car that was coming down locust avenue towards fair oaks boulevard my purpose for that was i didn't think the guy had time to have gotten too far i thought he was hunkered down in this field near this electrical substation and i wanted this guy to shine his headlights on the field for me and he said so i stood in the middle of the street and waving my hands in full uniform he said this guy uh kind of creeped up and then boom he hits the gas and goes around me and I look and I catch out of the corner, you know, I catch that it's a white male. He's in a red, small um, compact car. I can't say whether it was two or four doors, but it was like a, a Datsun or Toyota of the era. And he was gone. And he said, uh, we brought in units all over the place. We brought units everywhere. And he said, um, they, they landed a helicopter, which had been on loan to our department for this case. I went out to Phoenix Field. They picked me up and I, I, I was in the helicopter trying to find this car again. And he said, and within... Two hours of the incident i had with him we got word that he had committed a sex assault uh, down on sandbar circle where while we were all miles away and anybody would have known by where the chopper was that all the cops were over there and that was one where he was so angry and and we'd never seen him really threaten the cops before and the pigs the pigs you know i'll uh and pigs and the pigs i'll uh, you tell them i'm gonna kill my next two if this is on tv and i'm gonna kill a couple and We hadn't seen those threats from him before.
1: We know the offender likes to stick to a script. That night clearly didn't go as planned, so it must have made him furious.
0: Anger was so brewing in him that he goes back to the man's house and leaves a note on his door, uh, basically on a religious uh, uh, piece of paper. So in the report, though, they have the entire pamphlet described. We don't have the pamphlet. I wish we did, but they said it was written with straight edge lettering. And it said, almost got me next time you die. And the almost was misspelled with two L's. And that was very telling to me. And then he said, so now we were freaked out because now I know that there's been a prowler. I chased him. He's pissed off. And now he's come back and left a weird, weirdy little note on my door. So they get an alarm system. So the alarm installers are out all day Saturday following this. This happened like a Tuesday Saturday, the alarm installers are out there. And he says, uh, Sunday, we never go out anywhere. We've been on edge. We took the family out. I think they went bowling, but don't quote me. They might have gone to dinner or something. They come back. The bathroom window is open. The screen is off of it. And he says, I couldn't believe it because uh, my wife comes and says, hey, the laundry room, there's herringbone footprints on the wash machine and there's dust like he opened the attic. So they brought a cop out again. They, they searched the attic thoroughly, they checked around on the roof, and there was no tampering with the um, alarm system, but that is where it had been installed, was up in the attic. So it's like he was probing the system. It's like he was trying to figure out how can I surprise these people that I don't like and defeat this alarm system in such a way that when they least expect me, I'm going to pop out. And I think he probably would have killed him because I think he was that angry with this guy. But it ends up that he never goes back. An extremely close call for everyone
1: involved. So tune into the Unmasking a Killer documentary on HLN this Sunday, March 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And then go deeper into the case with us on the companion podcast every Monday. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.